What's up, y'all? We're back. Music Memory Cast is here with the new installment. This is a new thing we're going to do, hopefully uh, hopefully more often. The Music Memory Cast presents classic albums to us, in our opinion, personally. Don't get offended. Can you tell what my pick is today? Not, not, not necessarily this album, but I thought that was... That, it always makes me laugh when I hear this. It's a compilation of Anthony Kiedis doing his weird Chinese voice thing in Around the World. Surprised it hasn't got canceled yet. But I'm glad it hasn't, because it's hilarious. I wonder what was, what was, if the producer told him to do that. If Rick Rubin was like... Give me your, like, your worst Chinese impression right now. Like, just do that for this song. It'll fit perfectly. Anyways, we're back, y'all. For my pick for classic album, I'm going with the Red Hot Chili Peppers 1991 album, breakthrough album, Blood, Sugar, Sex, Magic. Yeah, man. I think uh, for me... In my uh, my opinion, like I said before, it's strictly for me. Okay, hear me out. Jam, we're going to listen to this entire record. I got some facts about it, what some songs are about. I'm going to give you some background. Hopefully you end up loving this album too. If you don't, it's all good. You At least you sat here and you jammed with me. So, it's just me, by the way. Uh, I don't know, I haven't given you anything in a while, so I figured why not drop this on y'all on a Monday. So, um... Blood Sugar Sex Magic, or Hot Chili Peppers. So, this album came out in 1991, okay? Produced by Rick Rubin. Y'all know Rick Rubin. Here, I got a... Rick Rubin produced it. First time they were with Rick Rubin, they had him produce an album. Uh, They chose... They wanted Rick Rubin in the album before this one, but he said no. And, uh... They wanted him because, you know, they were fans of rap back then, 80s. Um, Obviously, like, all the albums before this one was all just terrible, terrible rapping. And uh, pretty sure Rick Rubin heard that probably and was like, me, maybe not. But if you're not familiar with Rick Rubin, here's some of the songs that he produced before he um, produced this Red Hot Chili Pepper album. Of course... He was in all the fucking early 80s rap albums. LL Cool J. Produced this. He fucking produced Danzig. Come on, everybody knows this jam. How many of y'all remember that video of Danzig getting knocked out? Y'all remember that? YouTube Danzig gets knocked out. It's hilarious. It's he, He's like a little manlet, and he uh, tries to punk this other dude, and the other guy just lays him out. It's hilarious. Uh, what else did Rick Rubin produce? Now, 
Beastie Boys. Great record. Sick beat. And then, of course, Rick Rubin produced. Now I've seen I've seen stuff I've seen stuff saying Red Hot Chili Peppers were apprehensive about having Rick Rubin produce because he did Slayer and you know these all they were like considered like a negative evil they were negative and uh, the Chili Peppers were like all positive vibes blah 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 but I've only seen that like in articles I've never actually seen or read anything from the from the band from the from the members saying that. I listened to the, um, there's a podcast called, um, let me find the name of this podcast real quick. It's a pretty sweet podcast I just discovered, and they recently had an episode with Rick Rubin interviewing, um, John Frusciante, just breaking down all Red Hot Chili Pepper albums, and John Frusciante says they chose him because they, they loved all the shit he was doing with the rap albums. And, uh, you know, they were, Flea and Anthony were into rap and hip-hop, and they, they loved what Rick Rubin was doing. I was just killing time while I tried to find this fucking podcast. It's called um, Broken Record. That's the name of the podcast. Go ch- if you like music podcasts, I mean, I know we're the number one best music podcast out there, but I would say this is pretty close. It's called Broken Record. From Rick Rubin, Malcolm Gladwell, Bruce Hetlam, and Justin Richmond. Uh, they talk about all, they're basically producers. They talk about all the records they produced. They play the records, they talk about it, and uh, they interview some of the musicians that they recorded. And he did like a three parter with John Frusciante, and each one is like an hour and a half long. And it's pretty, pretty awesome. It gave me a new appreciation for um, John Frusciante for sure. He's definitely a cool dude. So yeah, they chose Rick Rubin. Um, like I said before, before this album, the Red Hat Chili Peppers were more of a, uh, more of just like a weird rap punk. They're just a like really shitty lyrics, like really just a. Crap, I don't want to say a crappy band. They were good, but compared to the leap that they made to this. Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it's like a complete 180. And a lot of that had to do with John Frusciante, honestly. And Anthony Kiedis and Flea. Well, you know what? Maybe all of them. Because I think uh, Rick Rubin gave him the idea like, hey, y'all don't all need Flea. You don't need to be slapping that thing. Uh, no homo. You don't need to be slapping that thing, Pauls. You don't need to be slapping that thing so crazy. You know, the less is more. He kind of gave him the less is more approach. Um, John Frusciante kind of came into his own. Uh, let me play some some old Red Hot Chili Peppers for y'all to see the jump from where they were to where they went. Here's um, Me and My Friends by Red Hot Chili Peppers. This was from um, Uplift Mofo Party Plan 1987, four years before Blood Sugar. Yeah. I mean, I could, I would listen to this, but compared to Blood Sugar, it's crazy. 
There's a lot of shit like this. A lot of shit like this. You can kind of feel some of that blood sugar right in this one. Ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. But then, check out the lyrics to this one. Yeah. Party on your pussy. Shout out to Anthony Kiedis. You know, he was he was more up more straightforward back in the day. He kinda he kinda learned what, what uh metaphors were. I guess when blood sugar came around, he, he learned what a metaphor was. You know, they had that and they had um John that was with the old guitarist who passed away and then when they brought on John Fushanti He came on during the Mother's Milk album. Which is the one before Blood Sugar. And the, from the interview from John Frusciante, he, he really didn't like this album. A lot, like the band didn't like this album. Because the producer at the time, he wanted them to do like heavy guitar, heavy guitar tone, more rapping and more, more, more stuff to get radio play. And the band went along with it and they that's why kind of they liked Rick Rubin a lot because Rick Rubin would kind of let them do their own thing and uh, John Frusciante really didn't feel comfortable playing on this album he says because you know it wasn't the guitar tone he wanted it wasn't how he wanted to play he didn't like doing heavy riffs but it was his first record with the band he didn't want to disappoint anybody so he just did what he was told and of course this one was huge Stevie Wonder cover This song reminds me of um, uh, Bartholomew. For some reason, I always remember hearing this song at Bartholomew or on the way to Bartholomew. Bartholomew is a swimming pool, by the way. It used to be the shit. Now, I don't know. I haven't been there in a while. Back in the day, it was the shit. Shout out to um, Berkman and 51st Street. What up? What up, Berkman and 51st? Holla at your boy. Yeah, so this is before Blood Sugar. And, uh, so, they had, like, let's get to the record now. They had, like, almost 30 songs, like, written for this album. And that's because they were in the middle of, like, a contract, contract negotiations. So, as they were being held up, they were just writing a lot. And, uh, they had to cut some songs. They wanted to do a, Rick, I think, who was it? Rick Rubin wanted to do a double album, but the label was like, nah, that's going to be expensive. Uh, people are still kind of iffy about these guys. Just release it in one CD, one disc. It'll be cheaper. And it was the right move. But anyways, they had almost 30 songs. They cut it down to, I think, 17. And they cut some They cut some classic fucking songs off this record. And looking, I've read interviews where they look back on it now and they're like, we were crazy to cut this song off the album. I'm going to play a couple of songs that um, they left off the album. Just a couple. Uh, the first one they left off is a song called 
Sika Mechanico, which uh, they cut this off. So this is the thing. They had two awesome songs that they cut, but they released them. They ended up releasing them on movie soundtracks. So here's the first one. This song was released on Wayne's World. And I remember hearing this song in the Wayne's World movie and being like, never heard this. I haven't heard this Ratchet the Pepper song. Half Sphincter says what? What? A Sphincter says what? What? Exactly. So this is Sick of Mickey, Sick of, Sick of Mickey Nico. This was cut from the album. Well, you know what? No, I saw this on the uh, Funky Monks documentary. If y'all want to know more about this album, I would say go to YouTube and look up Funky Monks Funky Monks documentary. It's all them recording this entire album. Okay, and the other song they cut off. The other song they they took off the album because they said um, apparently from the band they said. They already had enough slow songs. They had enough slow songs. They didn't need any more. They didn't want anybody to think they were going soft. Nobody wanted, They didn't want nobody to think they were going soft on them. So they cut this one out too. I mean, come on, y'all. How do you, how do you cut this song? This song didn't make the cutting room floor, guys. You know what it did make the cutting room floor for? Fucking cone hits. Can you fucking believe it? Yeah. That fucking movie. Let's jam for a little bit. Kind of makes me jealous. I, you write a song like this and you just decide to cut it. Like, goddamn. Fucking assholes. Soul to Squeeze, by the way. Red Hot Chili Peppers. My girl wanted to listen to this song the other day, and she was like, put on that one Red Hot Chili Pepper song, the one about Mexico. And we spent probably 10 or 15 minutes trying to find that fucking song. And then I, and then I took the phone, and I was like, fuck it, let's just put this one on. That's the one. Like, how did, this has nothing to do with Mexico. What the hell? I just looked at her like this. For real. So let's get to the album now, y'all. Enough of me yapping. Well, actually, so I got this album when I was about, I think, 11, 10 or 11. It was a birthday gift from my brother, co-host of this podcast. Shout out to Emilio. Emilio. And um, he gave it to me on my birthday. And when he gave me this album, this record had already been out. So when I got this, this is a song that was hot from Red Hot Chili Peppers. When I got this album, it was this song that was hot. From the classic Beavis and Butthead, Do America. And the One Hot Minute. So I got this, I got Blood Sugar Sex Magic when One Hot Minute came out. This was, this song was the hit. This one they had Dave Navarro, 
John Frusciante left the band after Blood Sugar, and they got Navarro. We'll go, we'll get into that after the after the album. So um, yeah, this is. I really the only songs I knew from from Blood Sugar when it was out that I can remember. I always remember seeing the fucking um, give it away video. That was everywhere on MTV, all over MTV. And uh, I remember seeing them with socks on their dicks and thinking, okay, that's a little strange. Why would you do that? How does it stay on? And then, you know, trying it myself, of course, getting a, getting my dad's sock and putting it over myself, pretending I was a chili pepper. Talk, you want to talk about chili pepper? Anyways, um, so yeah, I got this album. I listened to the shit out of this, and I've said this before. If you have a 10, 11, I don't know about 12, kids are weird these days, dude, so I'm not sure, but if you have a, let's just say 11, 12, you have any kind of, I'm not going to say friend, because I hope you don't have any 11-year-old friends, that'd be fucking weird. If you have any family members, nephews, cousins, friend of a friend, friend of a friend's kid that's 11 12 give them this album just it don't matter what kind of music they listen to or if they don't listen to music buy this for them and have them listen to it this i don't know why but i think it's a perfect album for that age and i recently was been jamming the fuck out of this and it inspired me to do this podcast for y'all so um yeah and, and when he gave me that album i would listen to it front to back all day the energy, the weird fucking lyrics. I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. It, it had everything for me. And I remember we would we would go to Taylor, Taylor, Texas. Shout out Taylor. Almost every weekend. And I would sit in the back of the car with my fucking skip-free Discman. With the CD. And I would sit back there and rap it. I would take out the booklet, rap along to it. My parents would turn down the stereo and have me... Listen to me rapping it. And then when I look back at these lyrics, dude, it's fucking... The lyrics are wild. And I didn't know half of the shit I was saying. And I look back on it now, and I was like, damn, my parents let it fly. That's what's up. So let's get into the album now. I got some facts about every song. We're going to jam. We're going to listen to every song. Front, We're, we're going to listen to every song. We're going to jam this entire album. I'm not skipping anything. I would say this is a top ten album for me. Yeah, I said it. I said it. You talk shit. You better tell the truth. Not a joke. I will put this in one of my top ten. Top ten albums for me of all time. Let's get into it. First song, Power of Equality. energy that's straight energy right there that gets me that, that used to get me fired up dude this song is about racism and crooked politicians and all that crazy shit going on that's still going on in the world today you feel me great tone great clean tone apparently he used to just plug straight into the straight into the um 
what's it called the board straight into the the soundboard. That's how he would get his clean sound. This little lyric right here is from a higher ground B side. This part right here. Psych, never mind. It's coming up later. I tricked, I fooled y'all. I was fooling y'all. Make me look like an idiot. I heard it's retarded or something. Remember, I was in the back seat. Picture a chubby little 11 year old rapping this, rapping to this. But no music, just acapella. Great tone, great bass tone, great drumming, great production. Rick Rubin may have laid on the couch the entire time, but he, he, he has a good ear. That's what it is, the ears. Great solo. So, a great thing about John Frusciante that I found out from that fucking podcast, he loves Frank Zappa. And he, here it is, this is from that B-side, from that Higher Ground single. They love Public Enemy. That part right there, that's from a B-side they had. That's only like 15 seconds long of just that part. Not another motherfucking politician doing nothing but something for his own ambition. See? That's from, uh, that's from, uh, some B-side single that they put out from the album before this. Pretty cool, huh? I told you I'd give you some fucking facts. But, um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, John Frusciante. He never plays the same solo twice. Never knew that about the guy. That I love when guitar players do that. Frank Zappa's one of those guys. Omar Rodriguez Lopez, another guy this guy likes to jam with. This album was all recorded in a LA mansion. That later on, you know, Incubus and all these bands went and they uh, recorded albums into. But this was kind of the first time a band like rented out like a mansion, like a like a house, and turned it in. You know, took recording equipment in there and recorded. Nobody thought it could be done. But Rick Rubin, again, great ideas. He was like, "Hey, I got a mansion," and apparently it was haunted. And uh, they put all the recording equipment in there, and they lived in there, and they recorded this album. I think for 30 days in that mansion. Pretty fucking sick. Going to the next song, y'all. I think this sound was straight from the he plug. He had to plug straight into the board because that's super clean. I wanna be gangster, thinking he's a wise guy, This is if you have to ask. So it, the song is called If You Have to Ask because the song lyrics are supposed to not make any sense. Get it? That's why the chorus is If You Have to Ask, You'll Never Know. You know what I'm 
So it's not supposed to make sense. And you can tell by the lyrics, the lyrics make zero fucking sense. <laughs> just like ting chong ding yong. Crooked as a hook and I'll suck my thumb. What, what does that mean? Listen to the to the guitars in the left ear and the right ear. I mean, fucking weird out there, shit. Great groove. Drummer don't get enough. He don't get enough love either. Drummer is in that pocket, boy. Mr. Bubble meets Superfly in my third eye. See, this song is not supposed to make sense, y'all. Obviously. My hand. My hand. <laughs> this has a great solo. Great solo. So, John Frusciante, he improvised every solo, and he only recorded it once or twice max. If he, if there was something in the first one he kind of didn't like, he'll do it again, and then that was it. If he fucked up again the second time, that's it. Too bad. He, he, that's how he kept it. And I respect the fuck out of that. This band had a, they have a great fucking pocket. That's a strat sound. That's when you turn the wall on. You can tell the wall turned on right there. that piano in the right ear that came right there. So apparently that clapping is the guys in the band giving him a round of applause for doing a badass improvised guitar solo. And they, they kept it in the song. And that's pretty cool. Another fact for y'all. I think that solo was rated like top solo, one of the top solos of all time. Next song, here we go. See, this is one of those songs where they they said they got enough soft songs. But this is a great song. 12 string, Breaking the Girl. So this is really the first time you heard something like this from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is kind of new territory for them. And uh, I think John Frusciante wrote it and he said he was kind of nervous to share it with the band because it was something that, like I said, they've never done before. But um, they were all open to it. They all loved it. Uh, Anthony Kiedis wrote lyrics, of course, about breaking up with chicks because he's cheating on them and shit like that. The guy was a pussyhound, guys. He wrote a song about dancing on it or having a party on it so you know 
great little, just little nuanced things that you hear in the background, like Mellotron. I think there, there's even a part towards the end where they're all just banging on cans and plates and shit. And apparently they've only played this song ever once live, just once. Anyways, while this is playing, I'm going to go ahead and talk about how much I have a new respect for John Frusciante. I never knew he fucking did his solos all improvised live. That's why when you see, when you YouTube them live and you might think to yourself, oh, you know, it's sloppy or you, 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 that was the, that's the fun of it to a lot of those guys. You don't know what you're going to get. You might get capture something that you'll never capture again. That's the beauty in doing that kind of shit, going out there and just not knowing what you're going to play, never playing the same thing twice. You never know what you're going to get. You might get something magical that will never happen again. Or, you know, it might be sloppy. It might not it might not be on point. But you gave it the shot. You, you went for it. And that takes a ton of balls. I mean, every player who does that, you can say, they will get the criticism of, oh, that's sloppy playing. You know what I mean? It's not Steve I or Joe Satriani or some shit like that where it's perfectly executed. It's... It's more just whatever comes out, it's going to come out tonight. I mean, he did it. Uh, who else? Jimmy Page. A lot of people will say Jimmy Page live playing a sloppy. But he did the same thing. You never heard Jimmy Page play the same solo twice. There's the cans and the plates. all in a big ass room in a mansion badass song but like I was saying musicians who do that have my respect because I don't think I could ever do that because I'd just be scared of the failure because you are bound to fail boy that's why you know you can criticize these guys a lot and do that Frank Zappa gets criticized for being a sloppy player live Jimmy Page, John Frusciante, Omar Rodriguez, all these dudes, you know, I'm, but it's, they're doing it, they're doing it for the magic that could happen, if you, if you know what I'm saying, hope I'm not trying, I hope I'm not getting too retarded on y'all, because sometimes I tend to do that, but I respect that, I respect that a lot, when I found that, and apparently before he joined Red Hot Chili Peppers, he was going to try out for Frank, for Frank Zappa's band. But I think he, something about he found out how Frank Zappa was strict, no drugs at all or drinking. He was like, nah, fuck that. Next song's coming up. Funky Monks. Like I said, if you haven't seen the documentary, check it out. It's called Funky Monks. YouTube it. It's like an hour and a half long, I think. You Shit, my little 11 year old self right here And some Jinkos 
and some yellow shades and a bucket hat. Boy, couldn't stop me. So this song was actually written on guitar by, or the main little, the main little beginning part. That apparently was written by um, Anthony, the lead singer, but um, just not so technical. Apparently he did it. He was playing it like on one string, just that rhythm of that. And uh, John got a hold, got a hold of it, and turned it into this. But it's all based around the same rhythm that uh, Anthony Kiedis showed him. I'm giving y'all, man. I'm spitting some straight facts for y'all. Hopefully, if some of y'all are some Red Hot Chili Peppers fans and y'all y'all appreciate some of this, but if you don't, it's all good. You're learning now. Shanti singing in the back. He does backing vocals. Great walking bass line. That bass drum and the, and the bass is like fucking perfect. Perfect together. Flea nowadays, man. Flea kind of bothers me. I don't know. Something about seeing a 73-year-old guy thrusting his hips on stage and trying to be wacky. Uh, not, not really, not really digging it. But all power to him. You know, he's still out there. You know, but it's just weird seeing a 73-year-old dude being zany. Give up on being zany, dude. Just give up. Put your hot tea and your bengay out there and just chill, man. You can chill now. You can chill. You don't got to keep doing all this wacky shit anymore, bro. It kind of gives me pedophile vibes, too. Something about him is weird. Something about him. tell a lot of his shit is improvised you can hear the strings and miss notes and it's, it's raw it's pretty, pretty sick nasty tongue Very Jimi Hendrix. Apparently, that's a lot of what this guy was listening to. Also, around this 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 time, he was listening to a lot of Jimi Hendrix. That's another thing that blew my mind listening to that podcast. Is even and Rick Rubin said it himself, and I I was talking about this. I talk about this with Milio all the time, and I was talking about this with with Nigel about how you know you just kind of. 
you hear music and it just subconsciously you digest it and it comes out it comes out through through your filter and that basically that's what music is i don't think it's very rare when somebody has something original that is extremely rare to have an original musical idea a lot of this shit is all recycled but filtered through the musician's own hands and brain that's what John Frusciante was saying he was like when I'm when it's time to record something when it's time to make a record hold on I heard something anyways he says when when he's about to record something he starts he starts listening to all of the rec- whatever he's listening to at that time he starts consuming more of it and he lets that kind of inspire him and he lets it he 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 lets it um yeah he lets it inspire him and he takes what he's hearing from what he's listening to and he interprets it his own way and makes it very hot chili peppers music and rick rubin said the same thing he's like yeah uh pretty much every musician it's all recycled shit it's all recycled you hear something subconsciously you don't know it's there but in your playing you're it's there if that makes any sense i hope i'm making some kind of sense that's why it's hard doing these by myself because i might just sound retarded here's the next song coming up Give this to an 11 year old Tell me they won't go crazy Crazy groove there Energy, man, energy. I think this is one where Rick Rubin was kind of, um, he kind of didn't like all the bass work. That he thought this was kind of a little too busy, but it, he said it, it sounded too good, though. He was like, yeah, it sounds a little too busy. Y'all are doing a little too much, but the energy sounds great. Suck my kiss. Was Anthony Kiedis the first one to ask what that mouth do? And maybe it's different now, but back in my day when I first heard this, I was like, holy shit, he's saying suck my kiss? You know what he's he's really saying, you know, you don't say suck my... But, you know, kids these days now, I mean, they're the, the music these days on the radio is a lot more intense than this as far as words. They're not afraid to uh, be a dirty on the radio anymore. I mean, they're talking about... Pulling panties to the side and eating booty hole like groceries and shit. So that compared to suck my kiss, it's night and day. Yeah, my only notes for this song is was he the first one to ask what that mouth do? <laughs> I don't, mm, when I first, 
when I first got this record, this was probably my favorite song, just because I was 11, and I thought it was hilarious, he was saying suck my kiss, but my, now it's different, when my favorite song comes on, I'll play it for y'all. Again, improvised solos. I think that was straight to the soundboard because he said, uh, John Frusciante says when he plugs straight into the soundboard for some of the solos, it will kind of distort the soundboard and you can kind of hear it there. You can hear it kind of breaking up a little bit when he was doing that. And I think this was going to be like a single too, but he said motherfucker in it. So they were like, no, radio won't play this. Like I said, compared to what they play now, I don't think it, it have a problem anymore. That's nasty right there. song. Okay, so the next song is called I Could Have Lied. And it's about... It's about, Anthony Kiedis says it's about him breaking up with Sinead O'Connor. This is Sinead O'Connor. For people my age, y'all remember Sinead O'Connor, right? She was like the bitch with a bald head. Back then, shaving your head was like, that's that was standing out. Like, whoa. Nowadays, you go to any Starbucks... Within a five mile radius of you You're gonna find a bitch with a shaved head So anyways This The next song I Could Have Lied Is about Anthony Kiedis His breakup with Sinead O'Connor She says That they were never together And that she hates the Red Hot Chili Peppers So that should tell you right there That they were together I mean she did a whole statement About how Red Hot Chili Peppers sucks And uh, She doesn't understand it And she she hates Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, it was true. Obviously. The dumb bitch, they, they were together. That's why she's being all hater now. She's like, fuck him. So, um, it's about that. And uh, John Frusciante, he was a bro about it. John Frusciante heard. And he was like, what did that bitch do? He was like, dude, bro, come over. Come over now and let's write a song about it. And this is a song that they wrote called I Could Have Lied. Another slow song. Maybe they were right. They shouldn't have added Soul to Squeeze, but no, they should have added Soul saw that bald head and fell in love, man. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know. She'd have to be a 10. Imagine if one of your homeboys broke up with this chick and you're like, man, come over and sing about it, dog. I read a song for you, homie. 
all But like I was saying before When I lost my fucking Train of thought The whole thing with you know Taking in music And then That subconsciously You end up writing something similar You every, Everyone's just stealing from everyone That's all it is And it, it, You don't think you are But you are Anyways um, John Frusciante was, says he was listening to a lot of Jimi Hendrix when they recorded this album And you can hear it You can hear it in his playing a lot A lot of Jimi Hendrix vibes And um, Yeah you can just You can hear it Again I'm, I'm heavy on the John Frusciante Info because I just listened to that podcast And it's in my head And he was giving all the info on the album strings he, he wasn't supposed to hit and the bends he was trying to fix into tune and it's all, it gives out it gives it gives your music a definitely a raw feel to it more emotion it's not so automated quantized that's a producer term for y'all if you didn't that's producer lingo don't worry about me i'm just producing over here so I think he probably cheated on this ball. He saw he saw a chick with he saw a chick with some hair, and he was like, "Damn, look at that!" And yeah, she got mad. That's all, Jimi Hendrix. Should have made me another coffee, goddammit. I already finished it. And we're not even halfway through the album. And it's midnight. But I feel good. I feel real good. I was on vacation all week. I gotta go back to work. Tomorrow's my last day of vacation, y'all. Damn. It's all good. Next song. Mellow Ship, Slinky, and B Major. So this song is basically Anthony Kiedis writing about all his, all the all his favorite things that he enjoyed during this time. Is that in B Major? You asking the wrong guy. I'll take their word for it.
That's another reason why I love these guys. They're Laker fans. Laker Nation all day. I don't know about this year. Well, I don't know about last year either. What the fuck's going on with the Lakers, y'all? of his lyrics were just freestyling because he I know this song's about to be about like some of his favorite things but there's still some shit he says where I'm like what the fuck are you talking about dude this song does have one of my favorite solos on the record I don't even know if I would consider it a solo it's more of like just a little quick quick little jam thing it's pretty awesome it's fun to play it's, it's simple but it's really fun I used to say that in the backseat to my mom and dad. I'm going to cock my brain and shoot my load. They were probably like looking at each other like, should we tell them to shut the fuck up? I guess you like Robert De Niro. Here's a solo. I'm going to turn it up for y'all. Slick, man. That's some slick playing right there. If you look at that Funky Monks documentary, they show him plant like recording that, like nailing it. Pretty dope. I don't know how you sit on the floor and your fucking legs folded back behind you, though. I can't do that shit. favorite song on the album. So sick. And I love that beginning part where you can hear them counting in. You can hear the play it for y'all again listen for the for the count for the count in right here coming up did y'all hear that I love shit like that this song 
reminds me of fucking Martin Junior High hardcore. I kind of lost it, but when I went back and listened to this album, like a few years back, a few, because I, I, I listened to this so much that I completely ignored it for a long time until I went back and listened to it a few years back, maybe three or four years ago when I got into it again. And this song came on, and I swear to God, I can smell the hallways of my middle school. Because I used to jam the fuck out of this in middle school. Maybe that's why it's my favorite, because it reminds me of that. Like, I used to listen... When I put this song back on, I swear to you, I smelled this fucking school. What is that called when you can smell something when you hear something? Does that make sense? I heard something, and it I could smell something. I love shit like that. Kind of like melancholy sounding. This song is basically about the planet and how society is just shitty. The planet's going down. Maybe Marvin Gaye could save us. More of a darker song. The ly- lyrically global abortion, please, global abortion? that's heavy probably has the heaviest guitar tone in the album. Say this is my favorite song. This is my favorite song on the album. Damn, it's hard to say. There's, I have a lot. This is definitely one of my. I'll say this is one of my favorites. Not a joke. You can tell Flea is singing here. You can hear his little nasally ass. here to the next one. Crank it. Crank it. That's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna play that again. 
I love when the albums do that. You can tell they're just like, man, we're in the fucking groove now. Let's just keep going. Everybody knows this song. Fuck. God damn it. My bad. So this song, other than Under the Bridge, this is the, probably the, me- the most well-known song from this album. It won a Grammy... This song beat Pearl Jam and Nirvana for the Grammy that year. This album came out the same time as, as Nevermind. They came out on the same day. So this song is basically, it's about the, it's about the whole concept of if you give, you shall receive. The more you give away, the more you'll receive in life, you know? And uh, I think he heard this from some dumb bitch. He heard it, and um, that's what the song's about. You know how you know, like if you, um, the more you give, what's that called when you, philanthropy? Philanthropy? It's about that. And there's uh, a verse in here about River Phoenix. River Phoenix was a close friend of theirs. He. Uh, Old deed at the at the Viper Room, a new a new little club that opened in L.A. And of course, you know, John Frusciante was a little uh, fucking heroin addict, and uh, yeah, he did a speedball apparently and died outside of the Viper Room, and it really fucked all of them up. So they wrote a little, and apparently he was around too during these recording sessions, and. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about that. I forget. Oh, well. Oh, River Phoenix. Oh, here, I think here it's coming up here. Or not. River Phoenix is the brother of... Um, how do you say his name? Joking, Joking Phoenix. The Joker guy. And a bunch of other movies, not just a Joker. But that's his brother. Right here, I think. That was it. There's a river born to be a giver. Keep it warm, won't ever let you shiver. His heart's never gonna wither. That's all about River Phoenix. And what the fuck is a popper? I still don't know what that is. They used to confuse me when I was little. We're going to find out right now. What's a popper, y'all? Can y'all tell me? How do you spell it? <laughs> Here we go. Popper is one who is extremely poor. Okay. So he can't tell if he's a kingpin or a poor bitch. Pretty sure you can tell, bruh. Those those floor those floor seats at the Laker games should tell you. 
This music video is everywhere, dude. This is one of those songs that kind of broke through the matrix of life. I think every anytime I say give it away now or give it away in any way, shape, or form, I always end up going give it away, give it away, give it away. I can't do it. What the fuck? That's because my mouth's dry. I just had coffee, y'all. I can't do it right now. Give it away, give it away, give it away. We're about where we at. We still have. We still got eight songs to go, guys. They wrote a shitload of material for this album. This is like what? The eighth or ninth song? And it's a pretty fucking strong song. Ooh. This is a great song. Great, right, gold. Fat bass. You hear the bass drum, you can hear the room. If you're trying to get a girl naked, put this on. One string he's hitting. Open string right there. They're riding it. I'm gonna get a drink real quick. I'm back, I'm back. Listen, it's twelve thirty. I'm off tomorrow. Tomorrow's my last day of being off. Then I gotta go back to work. So, hey. I'm listening to a good album. I'm chilling with you good people. Tomorrow's my last day of being off. Why not? They should have added that into the album. See if I got any facts on this song. Uh, basically, the notes on this song is that it's just about Anthony Kiedis boning. That was basically all his lyrics were just metaphors and all these little puns about boning. I think they were up to some shit with this album though because it's called Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Magic spelled with a K. That's like some Aleister Crowley shit. And apparently the house they were living in, they would hear weird shit. Who knows what they were hearing? Maybe they made that shit up. Maybe they were fucking doing some weird shit and conjuring some weird shit to get this because this album is what blew them up. This album made John Frusciante go crazy. 
You know what I mean? I think they were up to some shit. Good riff right here. <laughs> well, I mean, because he says in the in that documentary I was talking about, he says like there'd be times where he'd be playing and he could feel just something otherworldly guiding him what to play and the feeling. Telling you, they spelled magic weird. I'm just saying, Google. No, but you don't spell magic like that without having a, a meaning to it, a purpose. There's a reason they spelled magic like that, y'all. I love when I listen back to these songs that I haven't heard in a while and hearing new little things you didn't catch before. You gotta have good headphones, y'all. I hope y'all are listening to this with good headphones. If you're not, it's all good. I'm just being a little picky asshole. And trust me, I know that we may come off as little pretentious music snobs. But hey, man, that's just what we like. You don't gotta like it. I'm not telling you to like it. Don't get me started. next song is that's the hitter oh shit so the next song that's gonna play is their most well known song from the album um it hit number two on billboards the only song that beat them is this one yeah little kids that don't know how to wear clothes right where's your dad to tell you put your damn clothes on right pick up your damn pants Quit acting like a fool out here. Yeah, they got beat by crisscross for the number one spot, man. But, um... Damn, forgot about that wiggity-wiggity-whack. Terrible. Give it away, give it away. Wiggity-wiggity-whack. Dang. Who did it first? Anyways. This song right here. The... the they're, they're... The number one hit from this album. He was number two in the country behind Crisscross. That's pretty, pretty wickety whack, if you ask me. Pretty ding dong, ding dong, ding dang, yo. I just learned how to play this on guitar finally. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city. So apparently, that line right there. Sometimes I feel like my only friend John Frusciante and Flea Were like getting super close Like BFF level And they were super into like smoking bud and shit And Anthony Kiedis was sober So he kind of felt alienated Because Flea and John would get together And write songs all the time And party all the time with each other And kind of leave him out And he felt alienated by that that's what that's about And this song wasn't even supposed to come out Apparently According to Anthony He says that This was just a poem that he wrote In one of his little books um, Rick Rubin found it And Loved it He thought it was great And powerful And had a lot of meaning behind it So he told him to show it to the band And 
he didn't want to at first because you know I played you the shit before this party on your pussy and all that shit it, completely different from what they did before but the, you know they all liked it and it ended up being the best not the not to me but to the world this was like a fucking smash hit and apparently the bridge he's talking about it's the bridge he used to go to to buy drugs under the bridge downtown when he used to, when he was uh doing heroin that's where he used to go buy his drugs under the bridge downtown duh what else do I got on here this song also that John Frusciante interview he talks about the song that inspired him to write this I'll play that afterwards I remember this music video Remember when I see that When I used to see this music video When I was little When it first came out I thought he was a chick Until they showed him running And I was like Oh She doesn't have boobs It's a guy The music video is hilarious It's just him like Singing to a bunch of immigrants That have no idea What's going on Apparently this this group of people singing this is John Frusciante's mom and three of her church choir friends. Shout out John Frusciante's mom. Get that vibrato, what up? See, a lot of little shit like that, that's all Jimi Hendrix. So this next song that's about to play is the one that Frushanti says inspired him to write this or that he kind of stole the idea from. I don't hear it at all, but apparently in some way this song inspired him to write Under the Bridge. This is Joe Jackson with an Every Dream Home a Nightmare. Shout out to Joe Jackson. He doesn't get enough love. And I'm not talking about Michael Jackson's dad. Go go look up Joe Jackson's hits, man. But yeah, I don't hear Under the Bridge at all in this. He says it's during the chorus of this song because there's like a there's a downbeat, but there's nothing there. It doesn't the beat doesn't come in until the next note. Which kind of gives gives that to um to the other one. Let me see if I can I hear that Let's see I gotta tune it I gotta tune y'all Hold on 
good enough. So it's like, uh, that part that little downbeat there apparently that inspired the whole that for y'all. Do y'all know I can do that? Should I play the other part? Let me see. Let me see if I can do it for y'all. I'm on the spot now. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Tar's a little out of tune. Forgive me. Shit like that. And then he does a Jimmy Hendrix. This is the Jimmy Hendrix shit. Boy, how's it go? Shit like that. That whole little... It's all Jimi Hendrix shit. Anyways, I'm done being a guitar player for y'all. I'm sorry, I got a little carried away. Let's get to the next song, shall we? Anyways, yeah. Apparently this song inspired that. Who would have known? Next song. Naked in the Rain. Apparently this was the first song they wrote for this album. They used to, like, kind of fuck around with it live to kind of, you know, practice it, get it together. You could tell this was like one of the first songs they wrote because Flea's still doing the slap shit. He, he, he didn't do as much of that in the other songs because he tried to cut down on it. Apparently he heard, um, I forgot who it was. It was some bass player that he looked up to for, um, forget who forget who, who it was some girl bass player and they asked her about bass playing and she said she didn't like the way how slap slap bass playing was just being played by a bunch of dumb white jocks and he like took offense to that I guess he guess that really hit him in the heart so he was like I don't want to do that anymore <laughs> he got pusated dude tell you chicks they'll make boy I tell you what Hey, don't get me started. This is Naked in the Rain. This is probably one of the... You can definitely tell this is the first song they wrote for this album. It sounds like the Mother's Milk almost. This is probably... I probably listened to this song the least on this record. This is, uh... 
this is probably my least favorite song on the album. I would say. It's still a great song, but just compared to the other ones, you can tell they just stepped their game up after this after this after they wrote this first one. Apparently it's just about nature and loving nature and being free, naked in the rain, you know. Hippy dippy shit. Dr. Doolittle, what's your secret? I just figured that out right now. I never heard that before. Bass solo. Did y'all hear that? I just popped my nose. I can pop my nose, y'all. And you know what's weird? This just happened like a couple... Well, no, it happened the last time. This happened in January. No. January? Or November. Maybe November. I got sick in November. And ever since then, I had crazy jaw pain. For some reason. I don't know what I had. I was part of the flu or something. But I had like intense pain in my jaw. Like in my right ear. Crazy pain in my right ear. Like right where my jaw connects. Right there by your ear hole. Whatever that's called. Ever since then. My fucking jaw pops now. Every fucking morning I wake up. I can barely like. I don't know. Like I just feel like tight right there and I kind of move my jaw to the side and that motherfucker pops loud I don't know why what, what is that is that just getting older is my head growing now I can pop my fucking jaw I can pop my nose I can, but now now and whenever I find out I can do shit like that I just I'm constantly like trying to so if you ever see me around like and you see me kind of doing the crack jaw I'm not on crack y'all I swear I'm just trying to pop my jaw that's all it is. I swear I don't do crack. <laughs> no, for real though. I'm always like doing my jaw to the side trying to pop it now. Looking like a fucking crackhead out there. Next song. This is Apache Rose Peacock. I'm sitting on a sack of beans, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's going to be my new life from now on. So I don't know what this song's about. I couldn't find any facts about it. I'm going to guess it's just about, like, New Orleans. Walking around New Orleans. Because he says it a lot in the song. He talks about New Orleans, so... Maybe it's just weird shit you would see walking around Bourbon Street or some shit. I always make fun of that part. That's that's funky right there. See, when I used to sing this, when I used to rap this in the backseat of my parents' car, 
I knew better than to say my eyes popped out, my dick got hard. I purposely skipped over that. That's weird though. I was just talking about my jaw popping and then it says I dropped my jaw. Damn, I'm supposed to do this. I always thought this part was kind of cringy. There he goes. Ringing, ringing, nong, 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 dang. Have y'all seen that that video? It's this black dude who does like uh, memes of bands who like do stereotypical shit. There's one of him doing a Red Hot Chili Peppers one. I'll play it after this. That's hilarious. He's got a hilarious one in Deftones too. I got I don't remember the name, but I'll, I'll find it and we'll play it. That's Flea playing the saxophone. Always talking about being hard. What the hell? is an Apache Rose Peacock. Can somebody tell me? Is that something that is well known? I'm going to look it up right now. Apparently it just means uh, I guess he was. It is about Walking around New Orleans. That's what everybody's saying. By everybody, I mean Reddit. Oh shit, I found something. Get these ads out of my face, man. You fucking with the wrong one. God damn it. Apparently, it says this song is about a sexual encounter with a drag queen and how he enjoyed the experience of making it with a man as opposed to a woman. Damn, they putting some gay shit on my boy. I don't know if that's true. Forgot about this part. I would say this next song is one of my favorites also. I love that. I always do that at that part. It's, I think it's great. I like that little... Right here. You can tell he's about to like jump or something. 
listen to that little guitar that's just on your right speaker that that hit that brown. So apparently Anthony Kiedis hates this song because um, Rick Rubin wanted him to write a song. He specifically told him write a song about girls and fast cars, and he hated the idea of that. Like apparently he's, that's not what he's. A, he can write all day about being hard, but he can't write a song about girls and cars apparently. But that's why he hates it. He hates he hates this song because he feels like he didn't write it from a genuine place. But it's got crazy energy. And apparently Chevy wanted to use this song in like a commercial back when this came out, but he just said that he said no. Because he hated the lyrics and he did he didn't want to stand by that. Jimi Hendrix. I finished my drink, y'all. What the hell? three more songs we're almost there people thank you for thank you for hanging in there with your boy hope y'all having a good time and jamming with me a little bit i'm gonna drop this one i also got part two of when we recorded with eric haven't put that out yet I got a, uh, a podcast we recorded last weekend. S- special guest, our maker, if you know what that means. Next song. Ooh. This is also one of my favorites. So I would say, right, the righteous and the wicked. Um, the Righteous and the Wicked, damn, it's hard. Fuck. Righteous and the Wicked, My Lovely Man, and I'm going to say, I have four of my favorites. 
I'll send my favorites at the end. Let's just listen to this. This song's about the the original guitar player that died, Hello Slovak, of a I think also a heroin overdose. appreciation for this. Less is more. See, it's just drums and bass. all fingers too dude I mean bass by the way sorry I don't I don't I don't talk during guitar solos that's one that's a pet peeve of mine Whenever there's a guitar solo, and if, like, the singer is singing over it, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't sing over a guitar solo. You don't talk over one either if you're listening to music with somebody. Ain't that the worst when you're trying to, like, you want to play something for somebody and they talk over the best part? Like, they're quiet throughout the whole song, and they decide to say something when your favorite parts then come on. Who does that? Who raised you? bassist duo yeah, that's hard to find when, you, when, you, when a bassist and a drummer can lock in like that that's a great thing to have in a band that's like a guitar player's dream now this next song Lyrically, it's definitely 
one of the most out there, but this is one of my favorite songs, also. Play this for an 11 year old. to do that all the time. That scream right there, yeah, it annoyed the shit out of everybody. This song is about, I mean, people say that it's like him writing about his alter ego. He's just writing about this crazy dude named, his name is Sir Psycho Sexy, the song's name is Sir Psycho Sexy, and the song is about a guy named Sir Psycho Sexy who can basically smash any chick whenever he wants, wherever he wants, anytime he wants. That's what the whole song's about. Again, I used to rap this in the backseat to my parents at 11 years old. I didn't know what I was saying, dude. Times were different. I didn't. We didn't have the internet. We didn't know what we were talking about back then. You didn't get all the little innuendos. That's what I, I kept saying. Metaphors, innuendos. So I don't know what he, I didn't know what he means. I didn't know what the fuck semen was. So he, I was in the backseat saying, there, there's a devil. I, I wouldn't say the, the dick part. I would be like, there's a devil in my, there's some demons in my semen. No idea what I'm saying. I mean, I'm in the backseat saying, creamy beaver hotter than a fever. The fuck? Lyrics are wild and very sus. See, he made up for it there. Talking about putting a big black stick up his butt, but then he got head, so... And I got news for you. That means you're gay. Yeah, this is... I think you can count this as the last song on the record because the next one is just a cover. This is a wild song to end your album on. Just a song about some dude who fucks whoever he wants. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Damn, did he do that before the wire? Was that it? Shit. But this song has one of the greatest outros of all time. I'm gonna turn it up and I'm gonna shut up. 
shit. You better tell the truth. That's not the outro, I'm retarded. It's coming up here. pretty good outro to end your album on a pretty wild outro to have for that fucking song and that's all Jimi Hendrix you can tell he was listening to a lot of Jimi guys we did it we did it that was the last song holy shit it's 2 in the morning damn I forgot to change my clock Fuck. I thought it was one. Holy shit. I am fucking retarded for being up this late. Yes, that's how old I am. I'm old. I'm an old man. I don't like being up this late. Holy shit. I need to go to bed. So this is... I think I can consider this... I can consider this the last song on the album. Because the next one is just a cover song and it's only a minute long. Of uh, Robert Johnson, the guy who apparently sold his soul at the crossroads to be a badass guitar player, even though he wasn't that good, and I think he was very overrated, and people should stop talking about him. But, uh, yeah, we'll play it real quick. So, apparently, this song was recorded early in the morning outside of the mansion in one take, recorded all in one take outside. I thought this was weird when I first heard this. When I first heard this album, and then this came on, I was like, "This is, is this the same? Is this a? I, I didn't know songs could sound like this at the, when I was 11. I was like, "What the fuck is this? What, what is? What are they doing?" But I tell you what, we'll end it on the, we'll end it on the outro to this. All right, y'all, it's been real. That was my classic album. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Uh, this new thing we're going to be doing every now and then exploring some of our favorite classic albums talking about it breaking it down giving you some facts some things you didn't know about maybe things you didn't know about 
maybe there's some songs on here you'll add to your playlist. Maybe you'll add the entire album. This was one of my favorites. Let me know what y'all think. Follow us everywhere you do. Keep on listening. Appreciate y'all guys. We will see y'all later. Oh, and also, if you want it, this isn't like some fucking stupid ass little, like, what the fuck happened? The number that we give out for y'all to call or text, that's like some real, that's like an actual, like, hotline number that you can call or text. If you don't want to call because you don't know what the fuck you're going to say, you're like too embarrassed or you just don't know what the hell you're going to talk about, you can text that number. Any question, anything you want to say, text it, and we'll read it on. We'll read it on the next cast. Give us a, a suggestion, give us a song to react to, and we'll do it on the cast as I read it live. It's an actual number that I. It only comes to me. You're not texting. You're not calling some weird spam number that's gonna fuck your phone up. It's just going straight to me. All right, five one two six seven seven sixty six eighty eight. Call or text. Anything you want, and we'll cover it. Holler at your boys. Peace. Music memory cast.